Welcome to the 133rd installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. As a former healthcare professional and a member of the Shakopee Mawakadan Sioux community, Lori Watso has long been aware of a hard truth. When it comes to chronic health conditions, Native Americans, like many minority populations, are disproportionately affected. That's why the registered nurse dedicated herself early on to community health education. A few years ago, Watso took this work further by making a connection between long-term health and food. The result of that awareness is Wazupi, a unique farming operation that Watso hopes will play an important role in bringing members of the Shakopee Mwakadan Sioux community closer to the land and thus control over their own health and future. Wazupi, which is Dakota for garden, is a 10-acre operation just down the road from the tribe's Mystic Lake Casino in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Wazupi is home to a 100-member tribally supported agriculture vegetable operation, a pastured chicken enterprise, an orchard, heritage seed repository, 120 honeybee hives, and a maple syrup enterprise. Wazupi sells products through two area farmers markets and provides classes on everything from backyard chickens and wild foraging to preserving and processing homegrown food. Watso, who is the secretary treasurer for the Shakopee Mwakadan Sioux community, says Wazupi gets at the root of the matter. Why not show people not only the importance of healthy eating, but how healthy food is produced in the first place? Wazupi planted its first seeds in 2010, and in 2011, the tribe opened Mazopia, a now-bustling natural foods market across the road from Mystic Lake Casino that carries fresh local products, including produce, eggs, honey, and maple syrup from Wazupi. This has helped the community deal with a problem that disproportionately plagues reservations nationwide, the lack of good access to fresh, nutritious, and affordable food. I recently visited Wazupi, and while Watso sorted heritage seeds with garden director Rebecca Yoshino, we chatted about the importance of connecting food with community health and the unique role a garden like this can play in developing Native American sovereignty. My background is in health. I was educated as a registered nurse and also in public health administration. Um, I did a very short stint in, in hospital nursing as a registered nurse, and after that, from that point on, um, I moved into community health education all along, even before I went into nursing, growing up uh, in Native communities and spending most of my time, most of my free time um, on the Lower Sioux Reservation, was not new to me that Native people had number of chronic health conditions, health and social and economic indicators, actually any indicator that you look at um, when you're looking at populations, you can see that not only Native Americans, but minority populations are disproportionately affected. So you can look at any health indicator and see that Native people are going to be affected disproportionately. Um, definitely when it comes to chronic health conditions. Always wanted to be a part of addressing health concerns for Native people, so once I got into community health education, from that point until now, all of my work has been with Native communities, either locally, regionally, or nationally. I served as the Secretary Treasurer here in our community from 2000 to 2004, and when I left that, I went to California to live for a little while, 
And it was there that I really began to maybe take to heart. I think I always understood, but I really took to heart the impact that food has on our health. It seems like such an obvious thing, but it it took being there and having fresh food at my fingertips nearly every day to to really understand it and to really know that we can make a difference by making different choices in what we eat. So I came back home, I came back to Shakopee, and so I, I started working in our wellness center. Our, our tribe was nice enough, generous enough to, to give me a position in our wellness center. And I was going to develop some programming around eating healthy to address our health problems. And it didn't take me long to decide that I was really kind of tired of talking to people about their health problems and talking to them about, you know, if you would just eat differently, you could help yourself. Um, because I'd had lots of experience in community health education, I realized how difficult it is even to get everybody to wear their seatbelts or to quit smoking. Um, these are some very personal, intimate decisions that I'm trying to help people um, make or change, and it's not easy. I kind of threw up my hands and said, you know what, why don't we just feed people? Why don't we just show people what good food looks like, help them figure out how to utilize it, and I think eventually they're going to like it and their health will change. I've seen it change uh, by people making conscious decisions to eat better. That's, that's what happened. I, um, I made a proposal to our tribal government. I said, how about if we start an organic garden, a community garden, Hopefully by not only presenting people with food, but giving people the opportunity to really reconnect with the earth and connect with their food, maybe that'll energize people and, and help them to make some changes. So the tribe was very supportive and has been supportive since that time. Um, we were so very fortunate to... Um, have the help of an organization called Dream of Wild Health. They're a native nonprofit organization. Their farm is in Hugo. And I knew at that time, I knew the director of that program, Sally Auger. I'd worked with her many, many years ago. And I knew that she was doing this gardening program. She gifted us with, with traditional seeds that had been shared with her. And she introduced us to a very fine gentleman who unfortunately has passed since then, but Bud Markhart from the University of Minnesota changed our lives. Um, he brought Rebecca to us, introduced Rebecca Yoshina to us, who's our farmer. It, things could just not have been better, the, the way that things began and the people that fell into place. So that was our first season. Uh, Bud helped us a lot then, and... Um, Rebecca and I worked a lot and hard, and we had some volunteers. Each year we've been able to grow a little bit since then. Um, we went from about one and a half acres to about five acres, and now this year we're added a, another site a, a couple miles away, but we're looking to grow into, into a new site. One thing I think is important to note is when you first kind of were making that connection to 
uh, eating healthy and, you know, people's health, <laughs> which, like you said, seems like a no-brainer now, but that's not always an automatic connection. There's a couple of ways that could have been approached. You know, this is an area like this could be considered a food desert where it's hard to find good, fresh produce that's affordable so maybe you could have just set up a store where people could get that or you could bring in produce from other farms for farmers markets but it sounds like you really wanted to go back to square one and connect people to the land part of it and to the production end of it and not just bring in food and help them eat healthier uh, but really go back to the roots of that a little bit yes that really was my my goal was to help people reconnect with the land um native this is our land um native people have been here forever and we're stewards of the land oftentimes uh i don't don't think it's just a romantic kind of notion but lots of times when people think about native americans they think about about how um how we were here first and how we did care for the land and how that's such an integral part of who we are and and how we live with the land, with the animals, with the water. So I wanted to give people the opportunity to to get their hands in the earth and 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 perhaps reawaken that connection because I think it is in our DNA. So to have that opportunity and then to see something pop out of the ground and then provide you with something for me is just so awe-inspiring. I'm just blown away by it over and over again. Um, that I hope that that would excite people. And, and that they would become interested and and then have that experience of tasting something really good and fresh. And and I think even that gets things sparking inside, you know, and, and maybe make that connection again. Can you talk a little bit about this? Uh, I had talked to Rebecca earlier about this whole idea of food sovereignty, how, how that, that bigger picture of... I guess, taking control of our lives a little bit and, and all that. Can you talk about that? Uh, it's a kind of a new concept, I think, to a lot of people. And Interestingly, food sovereignty, I think, is kind of a new concept. However, again, I'm, I'm amazed at how I did not make this connection earlier or how I didn't realize or just even recognize that food sovereignty was a critical Piece, a critical element in our in our survival and in our existence as Native people, tribes and, and Native American people oftentimes will talk about their sovereign our sovereignty. Uh, we are sovereign people. We're semi-sovereign, really, but so we are sovereign people, sovereign governments. We determine um, our membership. We determine what our government looks like. We determine our everyday activities and and how we conduct ourselves. And that's our business. It's our sovereignty. So I remember one of the first times that I made a presentation to our our tribal government about gardening and and about an organic garden, I did talk about food sovereignty. I said, this is an element of our sovereignty to provide our own food and be responsible for that and able, have the ability to do that. And that notion has just grown and just solidified more in in my mind. And and I really do envision the day. My goal is to see the day when we have organic farming that we're not just a garden and, and we do call we do call Wazupi a farm. But I mean a real full out farm production. I want us to be 
an island. <laughs> um, we have a wind gen, you know, we have wind generator. We have geothermal um, energy. We have roof gardens. We have uh, pra- r- prairie restorations. We have a water treatment facility. We do a lot. We do a lot to support our survival here. If everything else went away, could we survive right here? And we've done a lot to make that happen. And now food is the next thing. I'm, I'm so surprised it wasn't the first thing. <laughs> I think that we are slowly making inroads to uh, our community members in helping them uh, understand how food can impact their health. It's slow. It's not as fast as I would like. But, this, but the steps are happening. I think we're getting more TSA members. We getting more activity at our, <clears throat> excuse me, more activity at our natural food store. So it's slow. I, I wish that it would move faster. But we we'll just keep chugging along. I, I've had um, community members, you know, I got, you know, 20-year-olds who are having kids. And it's, it's some of those folks um, who, and a little bit older, who are saying, you know what, I'm really glad that this is here and that my kids have the opportunity right from the get-go knowing what good food is. And, it, and it's so nice to, to have this here, to see it happening, um, to be able to either you know, be a part of the TSA or to go to the natural food store because our, our produce from Wazupi goes to Mazopia also to the natural food store. And um, to have that available, they're seeing as a good thing. For more information on Wazupi, see www.smscwozupi.org. A recent Land Stewardship Letter article on the operation is at www.landstewardshipproject.org. It's in the number 2, 2013 edition of the LSL. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgadell, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member... Visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 